Why don't we begin by asking God's blessing on our time in the Word. Father, we thank you, and we pray that you would be our vision. We thank you again for this time to gather around your Word. We thank you for the truth of your Word, and we thank you that you've given us these teachings so that we might learn how to live and walk before you so that we might fulfill your purposes in the world and in us. So as we come before you this morning, Lord, we pray your blessings upon our time together. We pray, Lord, that as we read your word, that you would illumine our hearts and our minds. We pray, Father, that you would change our wills in those places where they don't line up with your will. Give us a greater desire to do what you've called us to, what honors you, and what furthers your mission. We thank you again, O oh God, for this time. Speak to us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, last week we began a series on God's providence. And so we're going to look at it again this morning, but from a slightly different angle. Last week, we had the beautiful love story of Isaac and Rebecca. But this week, we take the look at the life of the rebellious prophet Jonah. And this story raises a lot of questions. What does God do when someone decides to live life? by their own rules. <clears throat> what does he do when one of us uses our God-given freedom to disobey him? Does he just sit idly by and let us go our merrier way? Let's take a look at the experience of Jonah and see how God's providence works in situations of disobedience. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, come let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. 
What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And verse 17 says, But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Do you know of someone who ended up in the belly of a fish? Of course, I don't mean that literally. But have you or someone you know ever ended up being swallowed by a fish? You see, the fish represents whatever God sent to save you when you came to the end of yourself, to the end of your disobedience, to the end of your choices, to the end of your decision to do it your way. Have you ever ended up there? And what did you think when you ended up there? It certainly could not have been your plan. But things often don't start out the way that they end up. One simple decision leads us down a path that costs us more than we ever intended to pay. Such is the case with Jonah. God had given Jonah an assignment and his only responsibility was to fulfill it. To simply do as God had instructed. Instead that he decided that he'd rather do something else. Something different. And his something different 
was to flee from the presence of the Lord. What a futile journey he embarked upon. For some reason, Jonah thought that he could escape God, that he could do what he wanted to do, that he could, in essence, defy God. The reason that he thought this really doesn't matter. The simple fact that he even entertained the idea is the problem. So instead of going to Nineveh to deliver God's message to them, he decides to get in a boat headed for Tarshish. And in response, God sent a wind and a storm so great that it threatened to break up the boat that Jonah was in. And while Jonah was in the lowest parts of the boat asleep, the other men on the boat were fighting for their life and for his. Isn't that ironic? Jonah is the cause for the storm, for putting the lives of innocent people in danger. And he is at the bottom of the boat asleep. It boggles my mind that he could be asleep in such a terrible storm. How do you sleep through an event like this? But haven't you seen someone do that? And I don't mean just literally sleeping. I mean they're just letting life fall apart all around them. Everything and everyone around them is being torn asunder and they have the audacity to be asleep, seemingly unaware and unresponsive. That's Jonah right now. And it takes the, kit, the ship's captain to wake him up and make him aware of what's going on. He tells him to get up and call on his God so that perhaps his God might save them. I find it interesting that scripture does not record that Jonah prayed. And I wonder why. Because he could have. We serve a God that no matter what we've done, whatever, no, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, his ear is attentive to our cry. But like us, Jonah chose not to pray. The last thing he wanted to do in a situation that he was in was humble himself and ask God to save him. And that's how it is sometimes for the people that we love. They've gone so far away from God, they don't feel as though they can call upon him either. 
They've made a choice that they know is wrong, and they feel there's no way out. But just maybe if Jonah had called out to God, he could have avoided all of the circumstances that followed. But he didn't. So the sailors then cast lots to see who is the cause for all their trouble. And the lot, of course, falls on Jonah. They soon discover that he worships the God who made the land and the sea. So when they ask Jonah what they must do to save themselves, he suggests that they throw him into the sea. And of course, they don't want to do that. Jonah knew that the storm on the sea had been caused because of him. That storm was God's calling card. He had come for Jonah. But how do you throw another human being into a situation that you believe will most certainly cost them their lives? These men didn't want to do that. They tried their best to row to return to land, but they were unable. The storm was growing more and more violent. So finally they cried out to God and did just as Donah suggested. And when they threw him overboard, the storm calmed. I have to be honest with you, I've really struggled with this particular part of the passage. Because I don't know about you, but I have a Jonah in my life. someone who's made their own choices, done things their own way, and has fallen asleep. And when you have a Jonah, you want to do all that you can to save them. You want to protect them. You want to provide a safe landing for them. You don't want them to be in danger. And you may or may not realize that in trying to save Jonah, you have put yourself in danger as well. So now both of you are in jeopardy, just like the men on this boat. Your Jonah may be your spouse or your child or your coworker or your boss, or your parent, or your sibling, you fill in that blank. You may, in fact, yourself be Jonah. And you don't want to throw your Jonah into the sea. So let me clarify. Please don't go out of here and say, she told me to throw you 
into the sea. Because that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is sometimes we get in the way. We spend our last dime on Jonah. We can't sleep for trying to find ways to save Jonah. We want to be the one to save Jonah. And when you do that, sometimes what happens is you, in essence, sacrifice your life to save Jonah. And in the end, guess what? You can't save Jonah. Only God can save Jonah. And what you don't realize is that God can't save Jonah because maybe you are in the way. But God will move you out of the way to get to Jonah. So the best thing you can do is move yourself out of the way before he does and give your Jonah to God. That's what the sailors inevitably had to do. They were powerless to fight against God, as are we. And in their attempt to save Jonah, they were keeping him from the very thing that God had ordained to save him. Let me say that again. In their attempt to rescue Jonah, their way, they were keeping him from the very thing that God had providentially arranged to save him. I asked myself this week, I said, do you think that God was surprised by Jonah's decision to disobey him? Do you really think he was surprised. Do you think that God had any idea that Jonah didn't plan to go to Nineveh? I think he did. And I think that's why he sent the storm. Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish because the storm wasn't enough to change his mind. And you have to know that sometimes it takes more than a storm to change a Jonah's mind. Verse 17 says that God provided, God prepared the fish to swallow up Jonah. Now I can't look at chapter 1 without looking at chapter 2. So look with me at chapter 2 of Jonah. It starts out verse 1. Then Jonah prayed. Not in the boat, but in the fish. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. 
Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. And verse 10, then the Lord spoke to the fish and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. You gotta love it. You just gotta love it. It wasn't until he was in the belly of the fish that Jonah prayed to God. It was in the belly of the fish that Jonah surrendered. God knew what it would take to turn Jonah around and in his providence he provided a great fish. Only God could do that. Remember my definition of providence? But the funny thing about it is, the fish couldn't swallow Jonah up until he was in the sea. Who is it? What situation is it that you need to put into the water today? What and who do you need to surrender to God? Who is it that you yourself are trying to save? As Jonah says, deliverance belongs to the Lord. I know that you're worried about your Jonah. If I'm honest, I'm worried about mine too. But I also know that I have to trust God with my Jonah. I have to trust God that in his providence, he will provide a great fish to swallow up my Jonah. And at the appropriate time, that fish will spit my Jonah out onto dry land. 
The messages in this series are tied to actual events that in some way relate to the biblical story that we are examining each week. And I'm going to ask Sam when she puts up this sermon if she can put up this link. Uh, There's another link on the Huffington Post about this story I'm about to share with you that shares the actual person's um, story. But this story today about being uh, in a ship, sunken in a ship, happened just about a little over a month ago, May 26th, and a ship sunk off the coast of Nigeria. Ten bodies were recovered from that ship. But miraculously, the ship's cook survived in the sunken ship for two days at a depth of 30 meters. That is 98 feet deep. And in his own words, the survivor, 29-year-old Mr. Harrison O'Keen says, I don't know what stopped the water from filling that room. He, was, he found a pocket in a bathroom, and he would hold on to, for the first part of the day, he would hold on to uh, a sink to keep his head above water. And he said, I don't know what stopped the water from filling that room. I was calling on God. He did it. It was a miracle. Just like Jonah in his hour of need, God provided a way of survival for Mr. O'Keen. And just like Jonah in his hour of desperation, Mr. O'Keen called upon God. I really want you to know just one simple thing today. I want you to know, and I want myself to know, that God can be trusted with your Jonah. God can be trusted with your Jonah. And if you are Jonah, stop fleeing from God. Surrender to him today. in this moment. It is God's providence that you are here. Please don't take another step away from him because it may cost you more than you could ever imagine. Amen. Let us continue in prayer. And as we pray, I'm sure most of you know that the verdict came down in the Trayvon Martin case. And regardless of what you feel about the outcome, we need to pray. 
We need to pray for everyone who's been touched by this case. And we need to pray for peace for our nation. So let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God of providence. Lord, we can all look back on some time in our lives <clears throat> where you providentially rescued us from a situation that no one else could have saved us from. We thank you for that, oh God. And we come this morning knowing that there are times in our lives when we struggle with Jonah's people and situations that we want to rescue and fix. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder that you are God. That you see Jonah. You love our Jonas more than we ever could. And you have the ability to do in their lives what we cannot even imagine. Thank you, O oh God, that even in the belly of a fish and circumstances that seem to threaten our Jonah's very lives, you are still God. And you are still And so we come this morning with the names and the faces of our Jonas with us. And we lay them before you. And we plead, oh God, Save. Save our Jonas. Do whatever it takes, oh God, to save our Jonas. We've carried them. We've tried to save them ourselves. But that was never your plan. We release them back to you, oh God. And Father, as we come before you this morning, we come recognizing that our nation needs prayer. We know, Lord, that nothing happens that you don't see. 
We pray for all who were affected by this trial. We pray for peace. We pray for unity. And we pray for healing. Do, Father, what only you can do.